0: This is Maya Anderson with Becker's Women's Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Monica Nierengarten, Chief Operating Officer of Alina Health Aetna. Today, we'll be discussing Monica's top priorities and her new role as COO, as well as steps healthcare leaders can take to ensure women in the industry are able to maintain and advance their careers. Monica,
1: it's a pleasure to speak with you today. Nice to meet with you, Maya. Thank you.
0: Yeah. And to start us off, could you please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background?
1: Sure. So my name is Monica Nierengarten, I was recently hired as the Chief Operating Officer at Alina Health Aetna, which is a Minnesota-based health plan. Uh, The health plan was started in 2018 when Alina Health, a Minnesota-based health system, and Aetna, the national insurer, came together to disrupt the market and create what, you know, is now being coined a term, a payvider, or integrated provider and payer health plan. Prior to this role, I've spent my entire career in healthcare working for organizations like Humana, Prime Therapeutics, Aetna, and CVS Health in a variety of sales, account management, product, corporate strategy, and retail healthcare strategy roles. And actually coming into this role has been a bit of a homecoming uh, because I led operationalizing the company after the deal between Alina Health and Aetna was finalized. Uh, so it has been um, an easy transition for me, and I'm really excited to be back with the Line of Health, Etna.
0: Great, thanks so much. And jumping into it, what are your top priorities today in your new role, and how do you see them evolving within the next twelve months or so?
1: Yeah, great question. So, my immediate top priorities include managing the relationships I have with our parent organization. So much of what's really unique and cool about us is the strength, power, and innovation of our parent owners. I really want to harness their power and really figure out how I pull things from each owner and then sort of smash them together and deliver a more seamless and simple healthcare experience to our members. One way that we're currently thinking about accomplishing that is combining a member's explanation of benefits, or EOB, that they typically get from their insurance carrier with the billing invoice that they'd received from Alina for services received there. So that really speaks to you know, some of the member pain points that we hear about is around transparency and affordability. So if I can take some of the guesswork out of what do all these statements mean? Do I have to reconcile everything and make sure things were done correctly? Is my EOB really my bill or is it not? If I can give the member a better experience, then I think that's a huge accomplishment. Yeah. Another top priority is to develop an omnichannel member experience and so maybe you've heard the term omnichannel before. If not, it really means that what I want to do is offer members the ability to interact with their healthcare in whichever way they choose. So there's this actual like neat saying that Aetna uses to summarize the ways in which a member can engage in healthcare non-traditional ways in ways that we're really seeing grow during COVID. And so they've cur- coined this term called hub, hand, home. So the member can choose the hub, meaning it's a convenient retail location. The hand is using your phone to use telemedicine programs. And home is accessing care or moving care to the home. Um, So I really see this being important because it offers the member choice at various price points, it offers convenience, it allows them to take control of how and when they want to receive care, and especially during this time of COVID, some of these other um, ways to receive care are really important for those people who are nervous about um, going in person. In terms of how these priorities might evolve in the next 12 months, you know, I I, I want to say that I do, but I, I don't see my top priorities really adjusting much because the priorities are always centered around our members and customers, and so you know a, t- a priority will always be to continue to develop ways to push that easy button for our members and customers. You know, will always be something that I'm focused on. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So it seems like your top priority, like you said, will always be making the healthcare experience more accessible and easy for your for your patients. That's right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, so what are some three pieces of advice that you would give to younger emerging women leaders today?
1: Yes, uh, I love this question, um, and I feel that you know the three things that I'm going to talk about are are things that I've definitely repeated back to like mentor mentor relationships I've had with others. Um, So the first one is never underestimate the power of networking, network, connect with others, find both male and female mentors, get to know their ideas and resources. I think all of us have found in our careers at some point that sometimes it's about past connections and who you know that really either propels you forward, helps you solve an issue, sort of helps you get things done. Also find a mentor that you can really build a personal relationship with, be grateful for their time, and be prepared to solicit advice and guidance for challenges you might have, and then need their outside perspective or use them as a sounding board to help advise you on um, you know what your next step should be. I've also used my mentors in the past, like when I need advice on a job transition, or if I'm looking for a career, or even to like think about how to prep for an interview. Um, I-, I can't say that having like mentorships and that network um, is super important. And then also you know pay that forward. Um, act as a mentor to those that are early in career and help them through their journey and share your experiences and be vulnerable about what you went through that can help them. Um, secondly, is and this is something that I've really had to spend time doing myself, is just to build your confidence and take risks. You know, um, coach yourself to get past failures um, or... Um, to not dwell on how the potential for failure. See failures or mistakes as a form of helpful feedback. Um, sometimes you just need to stop dwelling and overanalyzing and thinking and just act. You know, give things a try, take a leap, speak up in a meeting, you know, be kind yet assertive in your effort to try to take a seat at the table. Um, But likewise, I also think it's really important to watch your ego as a leader. Um, And again, this really goes for both men and women. Being a leader isn't always about you. It's really about enabling and coaching others. And so I would really urge female leaders to choose to remain open-minded and curious over always protecting your point of view. Um, and then lastly, is to choose to collaborate over competition. And I think one way that we maybe intentionally or unintentionally compete is we compare ourselves to others, and you really shouldn't. Um, I think comparing yourself to others is really a disservice. You know, comparison can kill creativity, it can be a joy killer, um, it can take away your ability to create a vision for others. So I think. You know, to avoid getting stuck comparing yourself is to, you know, be confident, know who you are and what your values are and really stick to them.
0: Mm -hmm. Great. Thank you. I think those are all wonderful pieces of advice. And I really like what you said about being a leader, not being about yourself, but about the other, you know, the people around you. And I think that's a really great way to look at it. So thank you for that. Sure. Um, and lastly, I wanted to ask you um, the issue of healthcare employment when it comes to women. Um, employment for women in the healthcare field has dropped significantly since the start of the pandemic. Um, a recent report by Alterum, which is a consulting firm, showed that to return to levels seen before the pandemic, roughly 24,000 healthcare jobs for men need to return compared to 470,000 for women. Um, so I wanted to ask you, what are some steps you think healthcare leaders could take to ensure that women in the industry are able to maintain and advance their careers?
1: Yeah, first off, I just want to point out like how staggering that stat is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really crazy. Um, okay, so a couple of thoughts here. So um, I think having very transparent and well communicated flexibility, whether that is work from home of, so if you have something to do with, you know, somebody that you're a caregiver for and need to make a doctor's appointment or whatnot, um, you know, have the flexibility that empowers your employees to take care of that, but then also manage their workload at a different time besides normal business hours of like a nine to five. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, also having some empathy to offer support and not criticism of an employee who is not always working that nine to five is something that's important to um, make feel people feel comfortable in um, accessing those flexibil- that flexibility. I think also just changing the focus on productivity and results um, instead of the amount of time someone spends at their desk mm-hmm. um, is another thing. And then also within that, like along those same lines is I think also for women, I think seeing their male coworkers also take advantage of the flexibility and flexible work hours will make them feel more comfortable to do the same and more empowered to do that. So I would say, you know, that men should also um, take advantage of that flexibility. Um, Secondly, I think it's really around setting clear priorities and the vision with employees clearly and frequently. So like if you have an employee that already has tasks and there's new tasks and responsibilities coming their way, if those priorities and the visions clearly set, they can reference that to understand what then their priority should be and then assess whether those tasks are aligned. And if they're not, to empower them to be able to say no or to um, have a prioritization discussion with their manager to say, I'm doing numbers one through five and now six through ten have landed on my desk what out of these priorities are the most important when I reference our top strategic objectives? Um, I think that that's really important because it helps employees know how to spend their time. It makes them feel like their time is being well spent. Um, And I think that that can help alleviate some burnout that plagues the female workforce. Mm -hmm. Um, And then lastly, I think having some type of a forum um, where female mentors or female role models can act as sponsors for other females in the organization. It is really huge, and being able to just to share their journeys and maybe what they have done to manage both personal and sort of work obligations and how they sort of juggle it all, there could be some like lessons learned and shared that other women can take um, to implement within their own life. Yeah.
0: So kind of forming a sense of community between. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Great. Well said.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much. I think what you said about, um, you know, being more flexible with not being so strict about a nine to five, but more focusing on productivity and flexibility um, and how that would you know benefit men as well. I think that's a good example of how making changes to make, um, you know, to make it more possible for women to stay in the industry. It, also benefits men. So it kind of, it really benefits everybody to make these types of changes.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Well, Monica, thank you so much for this fascinating discussion. Um, it was really great to spend time with you today. And I look forward to connecting with you again in the future.
1: Thanks, Maya. I appreciate it.